Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. In episode 92, we were joined by Jennifer Papito, who shared all about reading great books, the books that helped shape her motherhood. You probably noticed my excitement throughout the entire episode because just talking about books makes me go crazy bananas. So naturally, I'm really excited to be able to continue the conversation today with my co-host. As I alluded in that episode, in varying degrees, Kate, September, and I have been shaped by books too. And so we want to flip the mic back around and have a chance to share with you some of the books that we continue to go back to, books that have mothered us. So girls, I want to first start out with scripture. I'm wondering if there's any particular book of the Bible that you continue to turn to, um, whether it's for your motherhood or just your personhood. Um, Are there books that you go back to and why? You know, I love the book of Ruth. There's just something about that book, the way she just left everything behind and followed Naomi to a completely different country, a different religion, everything that she knew she left behind. And that always inspires me because I'm a big believer in not so much risk-taking, but stepping outside your comfort zone and doing that difficult thing God's calling you to do. And that she, being a, I don't know, I guess you'd call her a heathen or a non-believer, she saw something in her mother-in-law that drew her. She could not deny it. And I just, I don't know, that just always inspires me. That story is beautiful to me. September, do you have any? Oh, it's just so hard to pick a favorite book of the Bible, but I'm reading in Judges. And I, I know that's really difficult to get through, but honestly, it has become one of my most favorite current time books because... If you haven't read it before, I challenge you to kind of dig in and sift through all the names and the genealogy. But it has been truly convicting to me to really trust God in the unknown and not think that my ways are better than his ways. And there are so many foundational principles to um, God's faithfulness in that book. So I've really enjoyed that in my current season, the book of Judges. I love those historical books, all of the the genealogies and the the chronology of the Israelite people. I think there's so much we can learn through even knowing the law. Obviously, we're not under the law, but there was some good that God instituted and, and the law was good for the people for the time. And it can still be good for us if we hold it very loosely and not in a legalistic way. Well, I'm always about the book of John. If any anybody ever asked me, you know, I'm new to reading scripture. Which book should I start with? John is always my go-to because I think it's an easy read. It's story-formed, story-driven, and it just, you know, helps you meet Jesus in his workaday life and his humanity and his deity, I think, shine through in ways that maybe you don't see in the other books. Sometimes John highlights things about Christ's life that um, the other writers, uh, for whatever reason, left out. So John is always my go-to. What about books that have helped you in your spiritual walk that aren't the Bible, but kind of run parallel to the themes and the messages of Scripture? Have there been any books in your life that you continue to go back to for your own spiritual walk? I love the old writers like Spurgeon, 
Tozer, all those, all those guys. It just, I don't know why it just, they inspire me so much, even though sometimes the language is a little bit difficult. It's still, it, the, you get the principles and they, they really bring you back to the, to the old ways of thinking. I think we, everything gets so modern and new, and this is the cool thing in Christianity today. They're sticking with the principles that really inspire me. And another one I've read literally for 35 years since I got saved is My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. I can tell you that every day I read it and every day I'm seeing new things and finding new gems. That is such a, I think of every devotional I've ever read, that's really the only one I stick with and I keep underlining it and changing it. It's just, I I highly recommend that for anyone's spiritual walk. Okay, confessional, Kate. I don't know how many times I've been gifted that book. I currently have at least one copy, if not two copies. I'm literally looking at them right now on my shelf. And I don't think I've ever read it completely all the way through. Take it down and read it, but don't read the modern copy. Go back to the old one. There is, again, some some odd phrases that he uses, but it makes so much sense. I challenge you, Jamie. (laughs) Let me know. (laughs) Okay, challenge accepted, Kate. I'm on it. Yeah, I did have that too, Kate. That's my top um, devotional book. I've gone through it multiple times. That in the New Mercies devotional by um, Tripp and also in his steps. So that is one of my favorite um, favorites as well. Those three, I think, are my top go-to. I think I've read them many, many times. Well, I'm going to bring our timeline a little bit closer. My top picks are probably a little bit more contemporary. First and foremost, I have to put Radical, Taking Back Your Life from the American Dream by David Platt. And I know this book comes with a lot of mixed reviews. There's people on both sides of the aisle who like it or or hate it. But for me, it really helped me to separate myself from the American quote-unquote dream and really gave me a picture of what this life is supposed to be all about. Like, what are we supposed to be reaching for on this side of heaven? And then um, one that... I read just a few years ago that really gave me a better picture of who God was and who I am in light of God. And that was None Like Him by Jen Wilkins. She mentions 10 different ways that we try to be like God, but cannot be. So things like his self-existence, his self-sufficiency, his eternality, all of those things that we in and of ourselves, like Eve, want to be just like him and want to be like God, but we cannot. And then I'm going to throw in one newer title. I just read this book, I think last year or the year before, but I don't think I have read a devotional quite like this that was so challenging to me. And it's Jesus and Women by Christy McClelland. It also has a video component or an audio component to go with it, but it is a devotional book or a Bible study, I should say. It really helps me to better understand my role as a woman, both in this current present moment, but also, you know, to look back historically, what, how were women perceived by Jesus, not necessarily by the culture of Jesus day, but by Jesus. She actually lives here in Franklin, Tennessee. She's part of a church. It's not the church I go to, but yeah, I've heard her speak and preach. She's amazing. Um, I wanted to say one more thing about my utmost for his highest. He talks about concepts that are hard that we don't talk about today. Things like death to self things like following the narrow way. He gets down to it. And it's so convicting when you read just how our attitude is about following Christ and how all that has to die. So 
it's popular. They've probably sold more copies of that than any other devotional, but it's hard. You know, I will warn you ahead of time, Jamie, it's, it will, it will take you to the depth of yourself, but it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful journey. You know, I trust you, Kate. So I'm adding it to my list and you can check back. You can cycle back around and check back with me in a few weeks and make sure that I'm, I'm on it. How about books that have helped you in your mothering? I mean, you both, Titans of Motherhood, have written wonderful books. Kate, you know, you have Growing Great Kids and September Why Motherhood Matters. Both of those are absolute must reads, in my opinion. But what about for you guys? What books have really shaped your mothering? You know, I think for me, because it was so long ago when I was bringing up my daughter, I mean, she's 37. So back then there was no internet. There was no way to share all this other than a mom's group. It's so long ago, I honestly don't remember. I think there's some wonderful ones out today, like pretty much anything by Sally Clarkson. She's great. Right. And, you know, same for me, Kate, when I was raising my first, you know, six kids, there were not a lot of books out there on motherhood. And if they did exist, I really was not exposed to them. And so, you know, if I'm talking about what I did read when I was raising my first set of kids, instead of what I know to be now, then I would say, you know, Sally's books definitely were at the top of my list. I ended up meeting Sally and now she's a friend of my, well, friend of ours here at the podcast. Mm-hmm. I We recommend her books and they're all so life-giving to moms. Yeah. And we have her on the podcast. I'm not sure <laughs> the episode, but we can put that in the notes. It was a wonderful episode. Mm-hmm. I second that. Um, well, I'll just add a couple. The first one that I think was so meaningful to me, and it's actually a reread, I, I read it often, is Mere Motherhood by Cindy Rollins. And it's not your typical mothering book. It's actually more of a memoir than a how-to parent book. She just paints motherhood, both the good and the bad, under the lens of grace and you know the imperfections of herself. She's really honest and raw about the struggles of mothering and also homeschooling because she was a homeschooling mother. I just loved getting, you know, peeling back the layers and and getting a peek of one real mom's look at motherhood now that she, you know, had graduated all her kids, had launched all of them, and she was just looking back at both the good and the bad, and she shared it freely. And then I have two that I think are more of the how-to parenting books that have been very helpful to me over the years. Um, Effective Parenting in a Defective World by Chip Ingram. I think is a great go-to if you have little ones, very practical. And then if you have older ones, I would say, you know, lower tweens to teens, I highly recommend Grace-Based Parenting by Timothy Kimmel. It's not a prescriptive book. You're not going to get a lot of like, do this and then do that. It's just really more about the heart attitude behind parenting and about nurturing those things in your kids. How about books that have taught you some practical skills of homemaking, especially for those of us who maybe homemaking skills were not handed to us. And so sometimes we have to look at a book or look to Instagram or look to podcasts to learn all those skills. Does anybody have a book that was really helpful to them as they were just starting out in their homemaking journey? Well, just starting out again, there weren't that many like there are today, but um, you have to know about me. Our listeners may not know I'm a messy I am not super neat. Chaos doesn't bother me. My husband is the exact opposite. So I have to work hard at just keeping things neat. I mean, if we we have we share an office and if you saw our two desks, you would know which one was mine. But so one that really did help me, and I know there's some things about it people don't like, but I love The Life-Saving Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. It just helped me like 
organize my underwear drawer. I mean, things like that, that were just, that I thought, oh man, this really does make sense to just try to keep things neater. So I love that one. And then a lot, I love to cook. So I have a giant closet filled with cookbooks, pretty much anything by Ina Garten or Silver Palette cookbook. I had that years ago. So I, we have a bunch that'll be in the notes, but yeah, there's some really good classic cookbooks that I like to use and to help with my help my daughter and my granddaughter just to really begin to dig into some good solid recipes. I think you have to remember when you're reading that life-changing magic of tidying up, you know, she she doesn't come from a lens of faith. And so she includes some maybe more mystical or even um Eastern elements of, of, of her religion in the book. And you just kind of have to dismiss yeah. those thoughts and just use her ideas for organization right. and for tidying that's, up for sure. That's what I use, but I needed it. <laughs> so, <laughs> How about you, September? Do you have any, any books? Well, you know, I think this isn't even really a book. I mean, it's a bound copy. It's, it's not a, like a hardcover book or something thick, but I always tell, other moms, like as they, you know, you could see the journey as we get into homemaking and then we feel comfortable to try new things. So then women and moms or even um, families get into like canning and preserving and homesteading and all those things. Like it's a little bit of part of all of our journeys, I think. Uh, but when when someone starts to dabble in that, I just highly recommend the Balls canning book. And yes, it's a, love it. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. like a a thin blue, not too thin. I don't, I don't even know how many pages it has, but visuals and pictures and step by steps, how to preserve, can it has weights and measurements, and um, it talks about freezing and pressure cooking and canning and um, all the temperatures. And it's not overwhelming. I actually buy this for all of my daughters um, when they're first married, and my daughter in laws for Christmas on their first Christmas in our family. So that's how much I like that book. Because it's a go-to for just about everything, dehydrating, all of those things that we kind of want to dabble in. So that's one of my top, simple, favorite homemaking books. So where was that recommendation in 2006 <laughs> when I had the the peach canning incident oh, no. that uh, left one toddler just puking and puking and puking? <laughs> I would have loved to have had that. So I, I'm writing that down September. Thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I agree with you, September. Mine is so tattered and marked up. Actually, I taught myself to can 35 years ago. I just thought, well, this sounds cool. I bought all this stuff, followed that book, and it turned out, and I've done it every year since. I have tons of canned jams and jellies and sauces and pickles in my pantry. So it's a great one to have because you just have all this fun stuff for gifts, yes. for whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah, well worth it. The only one I'll add is, uh, and I don't even know that it's still in print. You might be hard-pressed to find it. But it came out probably about 10, 15 years ago, Large Family Logistics. September, do you ever remember reading that book? Yes, I have read that book. Yeah, I don't think it's in print, like I said. But it if you have a larger than average family and you're just looking for some quick tips to corral all the chaos, I think that was a really, I remember it being a really fast read, a very practical guide, and certainly written from a mom who was like boots on the ground with a big old family. So it was very helpful. Mm-hmm. I got to find that, uh, even if it's a used bookstore. My daughter needs that with 60 Yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, She's other, right in that wheelhouse. One other book I want to add, and, and this isn't for everyone, but for those who like a really good, challenging mind, like for their family and nutrition, one of my top favorite books I use, and I still have it along with my ball canning book, 
It's called Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon. And it's like a yellowish and bluish book. And it really has a great um, basic foundation to how to feed your family well and healthy. And it kind of breaks everything down. It can be a little overwhelming. So I don't want to just throw it out as like my go-to book for everything. But it's a very, very good book. So I have a question for you girls and maybe for our listeners even. I was given a sourdough starter and this is probably the fourth or fifth iteration of sourdough in my home. And so I just, I love the idea of cooking with sourdough and I've made breads and pancakes and yada, yada. But I need like a book that is kind of a um, troubleshooting manual because it's not enough to just know how to make sourdough. You have this living organism in your fridge and it will die and it will smell up the whole thing if you're not doing it correctly. And so I just need like a go-to resource for when I have those incidents of like, now I have this goo in my fridge. What do I do with it? How do I revive it? So do you girls have any great suggestions for sourdough books? I don't. I know my husband loves to bake bread and we're, we're determining whether we want to get into it because it's a daily thing yes. from what I understand. You have to monitor it and be on top of it and be using it all the time. So it's a part-time job. Yes, it is it a is. part-time job. <laughs> so I don't have any resources. Maybe you do September. No, but I know that they are out there. So I think yeah. this is a great question for our listeners. Anyone listening, yeah. send, us, send us your favorite sourdough starter books and we'll add it to our, our lineup. That's a great question. Absolutely. Yeah. And I am all ears. I've checked out every single book that my library has. But again, it's like a, a smattering of of tons of cookbooks. Who knows which one is the right one for me? So if you have a great suggestion, send it our way. I got a text message from my 17-year-old last night. It was just two simple words. Made it. You see, he was driving to youth group and, and there was a little dusting of snow on the roads. And although the winds weren't too bad, he knew that I'm always nervous for him when he drives on winter streets. I didn't ask him to text me, mind you, but he just knew that my mama heart would appreciate the quick message letting me know that he and his younger brother had made it to youth group safely. And he was right. But not only was that message declaring he was physically safe, it was also a reminder to me that he was emotionally and spiritually safe. Why? Because he sent the text from a gab phone. A cell phone that looks and feels like the smartphone that all of his friends have, but that isn't connected to the internet in any way. Whenever my son leaves the house, I can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that I can get a hold of him, but that the cyber bullies, predators, and shady back alleys of social media cannot. He can call, text, and take pictures, but that's about it. In fact, he can't even participate in a group text thread, and if you've ever seen what happens in the average teen text thread, you know what a gift a one-person-at-a-time text service can be in the life of a tween or teen. To learn more or to snag a Gab phone or watch for your tween or teen, head to gabwireless.com and use promo code mom to mom at checkout. That's gab, G-A-B-B, wireless.com and use promo code M-O-M-T-O-M-O-M at checkout. Well, how about books that you have reread multiple times, girls? Have there been any books in your life where you just continue to go back to, whether fiction or nonfiction? I go back to the Chronicles of Narnia probably every couple of years. And I'm assuming most of the audience knows about those, so I won't talk about it too much. But one I've read multiple times, probably every year for the last 10 years, is Heaven by Randy Alcorn. 
if you want the most biblically based, inspiring message on heaven, this book will absolutely fill you. The first half of it is all the biblical basis for what we can expect. The second half is just imagining what it's going to be like. And it it's just so wonderful. It takes it makes you just go, why are we afraid of death? This is going to be so amazing where we're going. I don't know. I just highly recommend Heaven by Randy Alcorn. It's a huge bestseller. And if you haven't read it, it will bless you. I think it's also a great one to gift yes. very gently to somebody who has lost someone that they mm-hmm. love. It it for me, it was very encouraging. And mm-hmm. And felt like a hug. Like this is, this is what where she is. This is what I yes. can expect. And it's a a great thing to be able to know that you know someone you love is is there. How about you, September? Do you have any rereads? Honestly, I am not a rereader. I think it's just my lack of time. But when I do have moments where I want or need time to just focus and read, I, there's only one author that I have found over the years that I have reread, and that's Sarah Haggerty. I don't know if anyone has ever read her books, but she writes my language, and I love her books. And I was trying to remember some of the names of her books. Um, Every Bitter Thing is Sweet. That's one of them. Adore is another one, her latest, and Unseen. And those, seem to be the books that I've only reread. And I, I have them all highlighted in um, in my books and they're always on my shelf. Where so, you know, some of our books we move off our shelf and I share, but those books always stay there. And then also the only other books I reread are children's books because I'm always reading, you know, to my children. And I actually enjoy children's books, young adult books, children's books more than I do reading are grown-up books, unless they're very helpful. I'm a helpful, like I need a, a how-to book. That's my type of reading. Mm, right. I second middle grade fiction to me. I can't get enough of middle grade fiction and will read and reread all of those. I think I'm not much of a rereader myself either, September. So if I reread a book, it it has to be like just a gem you can continue to enjoy. So for me, I, you know, I'm hard-pressed to think of any that I've reread recently. The only two that I can think of are the Life-Giving Home by Sally and Sarah Clarkson. And mostly I reread that because it's broken down into the months of the year. So it's a really great book to set like in your devotional basket as an additional read after you're done, you know, diving into the word. You just want to set your heart and mind to the work at hand, the work of motherhood and parenting and and being a wife. It's just a, a real fast read, you know, month by month. And then one book that I know I've reread multiple times is Honey for a Child's Heart by Gladys Hunt. I actually have the 1989 edition. So I cannot speak to some of the more current editions that add more contemporary titles and include contemporary titles. But this 1989 edition is, I mean, it's its falling apart. I've reread it so many times, but it's so inspiring and encouraging to me. A mother who really wants to ignite a passion and a love for books and her children. It gives you some real practical handholds. And some wonderful book suggestions. So those are probably the only two that I can think of that I continue to go back to. How about a fiction book? You know, Jennifer talked about fiction books in our last episode and how meaningful they were to her in her life and throughout her motherhood. I'm wondering if you girls have had any particular fiction. We don't normally think of fiction as so life-changing, but I actually think, you know, a a really well-written story Mm -hmm. can teach you so much about humanity and teach you so much about life. So I'm wondering if there's been any fiction books that have taught you some really deep truths about, you know, 
mothering or being a wife or just faith in general? Mm-hmm. I have one that's more faith-based, not not so much mothering. Um, and I don't read a lot of fiction. I just don't feel like I have the time because there's other things I want to delve into. But I just finished this. It's um, it's called The Waterkeeper. It's a trilogy by Charles Martin. And I didn't know him as a writer, but he's very prolific, phenomenal writer. And it's all about a man that's drawn deep into the world of sex trafficking. He's the hero of the story, but it's got grace, redemption, tension, achingly real characters. You really discover the evils of that world, but the heroes that combat it. It was one of those books. I started it and went whipped through the trilogy. And my husband read it. It's just amazing, very compelling because you don't think about that. You know, typically we're not thinking about that world, but to get a glimpse into it was very fascinating and kind of blew my mind. So that's one I highly recommend. The only um, fiction book that I I would say ha- was, you know, life changing, that's such a big, bold term, was actually a series that I read probably like 15 years ago. And it is the Mark of the Lion series by Francine Rivers. And you know, to be honest, I didn't even read the third one. There's three books in the series. The first two are sort of separate from the third. And what was so amazing to me about this series, it really opened my eyes to the point of being a Christ follower here on earth. Like before we get to go to heaven and be with Christ, be with God, we are here. And so what is the point? And it really did open my eyes to having a love for non-believers in the same way that God loves them. They are image bearers of him. And so, especially those maybe unlovable people in my life, the ones who are really hard to love, better yet, like, it really helped me to begin to see them in a different light and to see my role in their life in a different way. What about what's on your bookshelf right now? What are you reading? What are you enjoying today? I just finished reading. Um... The Brother Andrew book, God Smuggler, all about Brother Andrew, who bought, brought all these Bibles into the Iron Curtain. Amazing book. Again, I read that. My husband read it. And he doesn't read hardly any fiction. And I said, you have to read this book. But we just visited the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. So I'm about to start The Hiding Place. I've read it before, but it's been years. And I'm very excited to read that again. And then I've got a, these three devotionals that that my friend Rachel Dodge has written. These are great for, for girls, particularly. She, she does de- devotionals that go along with the book. She has one for Little Women, one for Anne of Green Gables, a brand new one about the secret garden, which my daughter, that was the thing that set her on the path of wanting to be in the entertainment world, we took her to the Broadway show when she was six years old, and she has just been enraptured with that story. So I can't wait to give my granddaughter that, plus a copy of the actual book. And it's just a fascinating way of going through those classic books, but how how we apply them to our lives, how the, just the Christian lessons we can get from each chapter. They're really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. I would echo The Hiding Place. I should have put that on my list of rereads because that's one that I could reread again and again and again. And I actually was able to enjoy that with my daughter in a book club Mm. just a year or so ago. um, We read it together in a book club and it was it gave us some great conversations. I'll just say that. Mm. How about you, September? What's on your bookshelf right now? Uh, Right now I'm reading Boundaries for Your Soul by Allison Cook. And I'm really encouraged by it. It's really opened my eyes to some things um, in my personal life. And I'm looking at 
concepts of healing in a biblical way, in a very wholesome way that I never looked at before. So that's really good. I really like it. I finished Adorned by Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth, and that is Living Out the Beauty of the Gospel. And um, I went, that's really solid. It's a very good reading, very applicable. Um, and she's a great author, and I've enjoyed that. And I, of course, am reading with my kids all of their reading required reading for school that, of course, required as in like I'm their teacher. But so we are reading right now together The Bronze Bow. We're reading Animal Farm. We're reading a book called A Separate Piece, P-E-A-C-E. And um, we just finished The Hiding Place and To Kill a Mockingbird, which is very heavy. And, and I had a hard time with that. But those are some books. So I have all this reading that I'm doing. And so my personal reading and enjoyment, I'm gleaning from you girls. I'm trying to make a list of enjoyable reading, not self-help, not educational. But Brother Andrew, I, Kate, I second that book. We've read that in our home many times. And that's a memoir, isn't it? Yes. It's a memoir. He's written it, but also John Elizabeth Cheryl. They, they, you know, I'm sure they actually wrote it and he gave them all the stories. But it's funny you mentioned a separate piece, September. I read that back in high school and I cannot even remember what it's about. So now I'm going to have to go back and read it because <laughs> I know it was, I loved it, but I cannot tell you what it's about. So you've jogged my memory. I really enjoyed Adorn too, September. And I would highly recommend that to anybody who is of an age where they're just on the cusp of being like a mentor in someone's life. You know, late 30s, early 40s, when things are shifting and you're no longer following everyone, you're starting to lead some people. That's a great um, companion for that stage of life. And September, I will be your book whisperer any old time. <laughs> Thank you. Well, on my shelf right now, I too am reading, you know, just a whole ton of books with my kids. But for my own sake, I'm reading three different things. One is called Pagan Christianity by Frank Viola and George Barna, who is, you know, the head of the Barna research team. And it's just a book that looks at the different symbolisms, traditions, ways of doing things within the Christian faith, specifically within the Christian church, the American Christian church. And looks at them in light of their actual history. Like, where are all these things? Where did all these things come from? Why do we continue to do it this way? And it kind of puts the lens back on scripture. What was the first century Christian church like? And how can we be a model of the first century Christian church in the 21st century? Like some of the things that they did in the church, you know, maybe don't apply to us. They were very specific to that time period. But what is our American church supposed to look like? And, and dare I say, what is the church supposed to, to look like? Let's leave the American off of it and just find out what the church should be. So that's been really eye-opening, to be honest. And then I'm reading I Will Always Write Back, and that is a memoir written by Martin Gonda and Caitlin, I'm going to totally butcher this last name, Alifirenka. It is a look at their lives starting in the middle school years. Caitlin is an American who lived in Pennsylvania, and she was assigned a pen pal in Zimbabwe, and that was Martin. And it's kind of the evolution of both of their lives as they get to see a peek into each one of their, you know, experiences, their lived experiences. Caitlin certainly gets her eyes opened really wide to just how easy maybe her life is and how difficult other people's lives are. And Martin sees how he can actually open his hand in generosity 
even when his hand is very empty. You know, he has so little. It's not a Christian book by any means. It's just a look at their, you know, correspondence back and forth and how the the evolution of them. And then the last one is Listen to the Moon by Michael Murpurgo. That is a middle grade fiction. I'm actually listening to it because I lead a group of tween and teens in a book club. And that just happens to be the book of our month. And it is about a family in a village off the coast of England, like a small little village in England, that discovers a young girl that is washed ashore. And they take her in. And because of the trauma that she's experienced, unbeknownst to them, she is mute. She doesn't speak. And so the entire village assumes she's a German. And you can assume um, and take some guesses as to what that does to her and this family who has taken her in. You will learn later on in the book, not to you know give away all the spoilers, that she sunk in the Lusitania. And so she survived that ordeal. And that, that was the trauma that caused her to be mute. But it's just about um, this family and their love for this total stranger in the midst of a very traumatic situation in her life and in their lives. I'm going to start that today. That sounds so good. Yeah, it's it's yeah. A, it was, you know, even though it's a middle grade fiction, it's so compelling. Like it has me on the edge of my seat. I have confession here. I have read it before. <laughs> um, so I knew it was going to be clean enough to present to the tweens and teens in the book club. But I highly recommend it, even for adults. You know, a well-written book is a well-written book, no matter the age Amen. of the listener. So Amen. I'm going to get that for my grandkids for Christmas. That sounds amazing. It was. It's really good. Yeah. Well, it's been so much fun chatting about books with you today, girls. I don't know about you, but this has filled my love tank to overflowing. I'm going to have a permagrin on my face for the rest of the day. We've mentioned lots of books here today, mamas who are listening, but there were many favorites that we just couldn't get to. Books that maybe didn't fit one one of these specific categories, but which has walked through different seasons of life with us. So we've compiled all of those in a in an easy to grab for list. And we will be sure to link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much for spending just a few minutes with us today. If you have an extra minute to spare, we would love it if you would leave a positive rating or review for us over on iTunes or Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you happen to be tuning in. It's just an easy, low stakes way to spread the word about our show and to draw other moms in who might really enjoy a seat at the table. For now, I just want to leave you with a quote that comes from a book I read, you know, one or two years ago called The Last Bookshop in London by Madeline Martin. And it's a section of the book um, that is commenting on reading. The main character is commenting on her reading life. And she says this, reading is going somewhere without ever taking a train or ship. It's an unveiling of new, incredible worlds. It's living a life you weren't born into and a chance to see everything colored by someone else's perspective. It's learning without having to face consequences of failures and how best to succeed.